Let's pray together. Father God, as we sing those words, we pray that it would be true. That as we sing that desire to surrender everything to do, Father, I fail in that every day. I hold on to so many pieces that I think I have to control, that I don't think I can live without, that I think I need. God, you're asking me just to trust you, to trust that you're enough. And that when I do surrender all, there will be enough there. God, you are worthy. You are worth it. You are enough. And as we study your word this morning, God, I just pray that you would help us to see that. That we would understand that we can surrender all because what we gain is worth far more. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Should I be nervous having some people back in the room again here a little bit? It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Turn with me to, uh, to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. We're going to read our parable together today. And then we'll see what God has in store for us. I mean, I know. I wrote this. But Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. Have you found the treasure? When you think about your relationship with Jesus, do you think about it that way? Is that how you see it? What does that even mean? This year, our, our theme has been walking intimately with God. The first part of our mission statement, which we are going to put back on the wall, by the way. We all love having it up there, so it will be back. And we've been trying to explore what that means together, what that looks like, how we do that. And what our life looks like when we do. And we started by looking at the stories of the early church in the book of Acts. Trying to understand what they thought it meant to walk intimately with God. How did they live? How did they serve? What did they care about? And then in the Advent season, we looked at the reality that while we desire to walk intimately with God, it was he that first reached out to us by sending his son to show us how to live, to show us what we were meant to be. And ultimately, to provide a way back to that relationship that we were created for. God came to walk intimately with us. And he wants us to be with him. 
And the whole time, we've been kind of asking ourselves what it means to walk intimately with God, looking at Scripture and trying to understand. But now for the last few weeks, we've been exploring the stories that Jesus told us about his Father and his kingdom where he flat out tells us what walking with God really looks like or what it should. The parables of Jesus where he is trying to describe to us what all of this means. What all of this is supposed to look like. Life, people, God, the kingdom, sin, freedom, our purpose. What is all of this supposed to be? In these stories, Jesus tries to give us an answer. He tries to help us see. It's big stuff. The sower, the good Samaritan, the, the prodigal son. Jesus is, is describing huge truths to us, eternal realities. Truths established in the very fabric of creation. And I wonder how he felt telling these stories and looking into the eyes of people who just kind of wanted to see another miracle. He's looking at these crowds of people and they just want food or to be healed or, or some of them were even there just to oppose him and, and try to catch him in something they could punish him for. For him to be communicating these world and life redefining truths and the people listening to just completely miss it. Jesus loves us so much. I don't think he would have been angry with them, with us. But he desperately wants us to understand, to see, to hunger for the right things, real things, true things. And this morning we come to this story in Matthew chapter 13. And this comes at an interesting point in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is in kind of the middle of a battle with the Pharisees here. He just had a couple of really hard interactions with them. He and his followers were walking through a grain field. And these Pharisees are like paparazzi or something, just always hovering around, watching, waiting. If not them themselves, then people they've sent or that would send messages to them. Jesus is just always under scrutiny. And he knows that every single thing he said and did mattered. And he knew it. And as they were walking through the grain fields, they picked some heads of grain. For a snack on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees 
jump out almost from behind a rock like Dick Dastardly or something. Aha! We caught you. You're breaking the Sabbath rules. And Jesus responds to them and he rebuffs them. And then he heads to the synagogue and he goes in there and there's a man with a shriveled hand. And they ask him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful for the Spirit of God to move on the day set aside for worship? These guys, man. And Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand before their very eyes, and he is healed. They watch it happen. It's unbelievable. And the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. What do you do with that? And so Jesus withdraws and he goes away to a different place and he begins to teach the people there and he talks about signs and miracles and how they don't change people's hearts. Obviously, it just happened. We read these stories in scripture and we don't always connect them all together, but Jesus is remembering what happened yesterday with these Pharisees in the temple. And he's talking about how if they see miracles, it's not going to change their hearts. And he tells them stories. And the crowds are so huge, again, that he has to get in a boat and go out in the water a little ways to talk to them. And he talks about the kingdom. And he talks about how not everyone gets it. The sower and the weeds and the net. That there is a difference between those who desire to follow Jesus, who are in the kingdom of God, and who are not. And then he goes into the house where they were staying, and he calls his disciples to them, and he, and he tells them this parable. Again, he's been talking to crowds that are all there for their own reasons. Looking for their own truth, looking for they don't even know what. A hero? Someone to overthrow the Romans? Someone to fix this? And so he's talking to them and he says that Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them Without using a parable, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Are we listening? Then he left the crowd. And he went into the house. 
His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. He had just told this parable. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire... So it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them in the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Do we take Jesus seriously? Are we listening when he says these things? Do we hear what he is saying? Jesus is not playing games. He's not being dramatic. He's not hyperbolizing. He is uttering truths hidden. Since the creation of the world, he is trying to help us see things that are fundamentally important. The reality that this life is not all there is. That what we're experiencing now is not all there is. There is something more. Something bigger. Something deeper. Something more real and more important. But Something that connects to this life in incredibly important ways. God is real. And what he is doing is real. And we're a part of it. One way or another. And he goes on. They will throw them in the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And this is the part where we would now just unpack these stories and look at the details, the context, the culture. But none of that matters. Because that has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about. He is looking right into the eyes of his disciples and telling them flat out, there is something worth more than anything in the world. A truth. A life. A reality that is more precious and valuable than you can possibly imagine. Do you want that? Do you see the treasure? 
And the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time, we don't. We'll say we do, and we gather here, we go to church, we talk about being a Christian. For some of us, we were raised in the church, born into Christian families, spent our whole lives a part of this club. But has the truth really penetrated your heart? Do you feel that hunger and excitement for the treasure of the kingdom? That willingness to give up anything to have Jesus. A little while after this, a man approached Jesus and lived out the very question that Jesus was posing in this parable. Do you see the treasure? In Matthew chapter 19, a man comes up to Jesus and asks him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is walking through the Ten Commandments here, capturing eight of them in these statements, but he left out two. Quite conspicuously, the first two. The two about worship and idolatry. Because he knows this young man's heart. And he knows where his struggle lies. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Hoping Jesus will say nothing. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect. That's a big word. Go. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Come follow me. Would you have been able to do it? Sold everything? And gone with Jesus? Do you see the treasure? Look at what Jesus is offering here. Jesus, God incarnate, the Messiah, the most profound and compelling person to ever exist, is inviting this young man to follow him, to walk with him, to live with him, to experience life with him. And he can't do it. 
Other people had asked to follow Jesus. You think of the man that Jesus cast all those demons into the pigs. He asked to follow Jesus, and Jesus turns him away. He says, go and tell your story. But here, he invites this man to follow him. Just like the disciples. And he can't do it. He doesn't see the treasure. What would you give if Jesus asked you this question? And then ask yourself if you really would. There was another man who had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. As he was going to imprison followers of Jesus and trying to destroy the church. Paul tells us what he had. What he gave up when Jesus asked him the same question. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, if someone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Paul had everything. The right family, the right name, the right situation. He was already in leadership at a young age and was being groomed for whatever he wanted. He had it all and more was coming. And when Jesus made him the same offer, he abandoned everything. He saw the treasure. And it changed everything. Do you see it? What Jesus is offering is beyond what we can begin to understand. Abundant, everlasting life. Riches beyond money. Purpose beyond description. Jesus himself is telling us as explicitly as he can, that there is nothing that matters more than the kingdom of God. There is nothing more valuable for us to pursue. There is nothing more worthy of sacrifice. But it is not free. We cannot earn it, but it will cost you everything. Can you see the treasure? Do you believe him? Do you trust him?
kingdom of God is mysterious. It's hard to describe and it's even harder to understand. There's a reason Jesus describes it as he does, hidden, unseen, unknown. And if you're not looking, if you're not paying attention, you won't see it. We pursue so many things. We put value on so many things, trying to find meaning, trying to find purpose, value. We pursue work. One of the very first questions we almost always ask, what do you do? It's a huge part of our identity. We pursue wealth. We pursue relationships, even family. Our kids can be our purpose where we find our meaning, projecting onto them our hopes and dreams and what we wish could have been for us. And caring for our families is a part of the kingdom. But is Jesus worth more? C.S. Lewis says it in The Weight of Glory. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in an alley because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus is offering us something with value and worth far beyond what we can comprehend. And when he offered it to the rich young ruler, he thought the cost was too high. He had done all the good deeds. He'd followed the rules. But when Jesus asked him to take the next step, the real step, that step of faith out of the world and into the kingdom, he couldn't do it. Paul did. And God used him to change the world. What if that rich young ruler had listened? What would God have done? Do you see the treasure? Not everyone can. And many who can don't care. But it's hidden in the pages of this book. It's woven in creation all around you. And it's written on your heart, right inside you. Do you hunger for it? Do you want it? Because Jesus is asking, do you see the treasure? Will you come follow me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this treasure. For the gift of your kingdom, the reality 
of your kingdom. The gift of your son. Connection and relationship with him and abundant everlasting life. Father God, we get so easily distracted by things we think are important and some of them even are but not compared to you and the way you would have us live is not separate and pulled away from the world it is in the world but through you help us to see the treasure help us to understand its value Help us to see the worth of what you have put in front of us. And God, help us to know that it is worth anything you ask. There's nothing we can hold on to that is worth it. You are everything. And when we understand that, God, you lead us into a place that we can't imagine. A life that we could never plan for. Father, we thank you for your grace, that you are patient, and that as we kick and scream and cling to things that don't matter, God, you are gracious. Help us to let go a little bit more even today, to see the treasure, to know it's worth it. In Jesus' name, amen.